This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8th, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to get these doggies. They're out of the pan. We got to get them back in the in pan. In the pan, in sure. In the pan. We got to get them over to the last podcast network, Country Jamboree, June 18th, 2022, at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. Come and check out all the shows that you love on the last podcast network. We'll be in front of you in our meat space, and we cannot wait to entertain you and have a great time. But for those of you that can't come in person, Go to momenthouse.com slash LPOTL and buy your live stream ticket. Yes, yes, you too can watch us perform our jangly country jamboree from the nudity of your couch. Absolutely fantastic. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you so much for your support. And we are so excited to be at the OG Grand Old Opry. Yeah! Hail yourselves! There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? You ready? (laughs) Why are you making weird weird baby noises? That's how you want to open the show? That's not even content. That's not jokes. It's not a character. You're just (laughs) saying garbage into the microphone. It's just huge ass ASMR. I got it. Is this the beginning of the show? It could be. It has to be. Oh, we have a time crunch. (laughs) I made it. I guess you did. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. (laughs) With Henry and Marcus. Hope everyone is doing well out there. Today we are on to part two of the love story between Leopold and Loeb. I have a question up top. I want to maybe, as we do the episode, I would like to maybe see if we can answer. Or maybe we can address as we go. Sure. Why? Do two rich boys, and this is common. I was watching a Dateline last night. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Rich kid who wanted to become a killer and commit the perfect crime. Ugh, right? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so annoying. That's the concept. Right? And it's the same thing as Leopold and Loeb. It's these yeah. two, like, uh, the little little teeny tiny pre-Ubermenches. Was this yeah. the kids who pretended to be, like, ghost face from Scream? Th- and this- then they filmed themselves, and then after they'd committed the murder, they were like... Oh, oh no, oh, no, no. Well, this is specifically socioeconomic factors mixed with like a type of intelligence, right? Like high level intelligent 
little kids who want to do the perfect crime, but they fuck it up, even though they have all of these resources and right. all these trainings and all they do is fuck it up in the, mm -hmm. the most immediate way possible. To be honest, it's not easy. But why yeah. then do drooling psychopaths or people bent with like the, the fervent hallucinations, people like Jeffrey Dahmer, Ed Gein, people, they are able to have criminal careers that last for decades. Why is it that, why, what, what is, what, what, what's the deal? What's the deal? <laughs> well, I think this is, I think this is a question that will better be answered in episode three when we okay. truly get into the psychology of Leopold and Loeb, as was laid out by their defense lawyer. Uh, but I think a lot of it does have to do with the socioeconomic status of the victims of oh. the crime. Uh, and I would also say uh, that we are talking about Leopold and Loeb because they were caught. And I would imagine there mm -hmm. are quite a few rich kids who did these sorts of murders and got away scot-free. Baron uh, Trump. I know. Baron Trump is <laughs> six foot seven, technically the most innocent Trump at this point. I will say this. It's because they wanted a spanking. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. I guess that's what They wanted to be naughty. Yeah. So when we last left Leopold and Loeb, the body of their murder victim, Bobby Franks, had just been found by pump workers in a drainage pipe at Wolf Lake, where Leopold and Loeb had stuffed the body just hours before. Making manicotti! Whoa! <laughs> This discovery was extraordinarily bad for Leopold and Loeb's plan, because in order for their kidnapping scheme to work, mm -hmm. the Franks family had to believe that their son was still alive. See, Leopold and Loeb had believed that they were such master criminals so as to render the body impossible to find. Mm. And their backup plans, even if it was found, the body would never be identified because they'd so ingeniously poured hydrochloric acid mm -hmm. on the face and the genitals. It's just really sad how ironically possible it was to find. It really... They, uh... they, put it, they put it in somebody's workplace. They may as well have just laid it on the buffet table in a Ponderosa. Yeah, they didn't do it. And this is where I feel like the concept of the Ubermensch plays into it as well. Like this idea that they believed that they were so superior, you know, and that they had already committed the perfect crime. It's perfect. not that they were, in fact, in the middle of committing the perfect crime, is that they've already done it. And then there's no way anybody could possibly follow up on anything that they're doing. Right. I think it's also a little bit of a case of rich kid laziness and rich kid That's arrogance. I mean. That's the uh, Ubermensch. It's the flaw of the Ubermensch, quote unquote. But I think it's even, it's not like Ubermensch is giving it way too much credit. I'm I think it's much it's more mundane than that. I'm saying it in a sarcasm <laughs> font. Yeah, because I think because with them, they could have very easily moved the body to a different place because they got to the, remember, they got to the drainage oh, pipe yeah. and they found that the drainage pipe was too small to fit the body. Because mm -hmm. remember, they had also switched victims at the last moment moment they had other victims they had a whole list of victims of people right. that could fit into the pipe and they switched oh they oh fuck let, let's do bobby instead and never thought oh bobby's might be too big for the drainage pipe but they were too lazy to find another place and even though bobby's feet were sticking out of the drainage mm -hmm. pipe they still said fuck it let's go home whatever yeah, we did it uh, yeah. but we do know that it actually you can't just pour acid on a body and dissolve it i looked it up there's a serial killer john george haig oh. he used sulfuric acid to dissolve bodies but what you have to do is you have to completely submerge them oh, in a, a, lot in a barrel and it took two days to melt the body. And that's sulfuric acid. These yes. guys weren't Leopold and Loeb didn't use sulfuric acid to try and melt the body's face. They used hydrochloric acid. And all the hydrochloric acid did was brown out part of Bobby Franks's face. It looks just oh. like a dark birthmark. Yeah, and oh as goodness. we all know, 
Genitals are not usually a part of the body identification process, no matter what Nathan Leopold had heard. Except when they, yeah, well, I bet you there's a couple of them that I would identify. Yeah, I think that if you saw mine, you'd be like, is that the mayor of Whoville? Whoa, whoa, my. <laughs> it curls up. I'm taking care of my little brother. He's my wonderful little man. And I have to say this, I'm totally coming around to being a little chunky if you have a kid and then also video games because you know they're they're too chunky to kidnap and then also you know exactly what? where they are because they're playing video games what i'm saying wait is Leopold and Loeb, whoa, whoa, wait if there was video games they Go. would have probably not killed anybody and also this kid wouldn't even been on the streets therefore everyone needs to gain more weight and play more games it's, i just feel first of all this is an old school this is a louis anderson bit no <laughs> about and being you, fat makes you harder to kidnap i believe yeah, and you're also, all you're doing is you're advocating for the future, the dystopian future, by the way, mm -hmm. that is portrayed in the movie Wally. That's what he wants. Wally. He, that's, his, that's his ultimate expression of freedom. Wally. But this week on Side Stories, he's pro slave labor. No, I was not. He's pro slave labor. He said it. You no, I did not. You said that it was good for the environment. No, I did not say that. You were talking about Conan the Barbarian, and I said, well, at the very least, he was a self. He was a man. He wasn't a machine, and it was causing. It was healthier to have Conan you hear, move your wheels. You hear the back big robot. And then I also said dementia might help you from not getting kidnapped because if you don't know where you're going, no one knows where you are <laughs> that's all it means nothing broke broke, broke clock is right six times but even so on the morning after leopold and loeb kidnapped bobby franks neither leopold loeb nor the franks family knew that bobby franks was dead although the franks did know that bobby had been kidnapped mm. see if you'll remember on the night of the kidnapping leopold and loeb had crammed into a telephone booth together <laughs> shut and up. called they called the franks house to tell them that their son had been kidnapped and as a result bobby franks's father jacob franks was in the process of putting together ten thousand dollars in cash to pay the ransom the next morning. Do you think when Leopold and Loeb were mm. first going to drive around scouting for victims that it was kind of fun for them to play being poor? Do you think <laughs> they were Maybe. like, hey, Leopold, what if we, get this, what if we went and ate lunch at a rally's? What if we did it? I'm just realizing <laughs> Superman used to change clothes in a booth, but he was faster than a speeding bullet. Couldn't he have just done it in plain sight and we wouldn't have even noticed? It's a fictional device, oh. and you are a huge fucking moron. All right. <laughs> Fantastic. I know, you, yeah, I know you're out of things to say when you just become negative. Because <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Then Clark Kent is just standing there, and then suddenly Superman is standing in the exact same place. Yeah. So exactly. It would be very obvious that Clark Kent is Superman. Right it now, his disguise is well, the lack of glasses. It is truly already very obvious that Clark came to Superman, but yeah. I think that's part of his powers. Well, we all know uh, the only reason that no one thought Superman was Clark Kent is because no one thinks Superman can read. All right. <laughs> He's not from around here. He's not from around here. <laughs> hey, from around. We could have just bullied Superman. <laughs> <laughs> you from around here. Yeah, oh, Why did Lex Luthor ever try that? Nice nah, trying to laugh at there. Oh, what do you do? You try to kiss me? You try to kiss me? Please kiss me. You try to kiss me? All Lex Luthor ever did was try to play on the xenophobia of Superman's alienness. You see, again, man. Yeah. He's what is himself. going on? Long Live long enough to see himself become the villain. Uh-huh. <laughs> But even though Bobby Franks' body hadn't yet been identified, news of a naked dead boy found Jeez. in a drainage pipe traveled fast, and the story was published in the afternoon edition of the Chicago Daily News. New dead boy. Yeah, excellent. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we'll put this right in front of Garfield. 
<laughs> I, I bet you Garfield was around. Were there newsies in this era? Was this news? Oh, this news. is the gold, golden age of newsies, my so if friend. You're a, if you're a newsie, this news must have hit hard that day because it's oh, one yeah. of your people. Oh, yeah. You're like, no, John. Well, honestly, I feel like it actually it's kind of nice because it's less competition. Oh, good. For your roots. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, another weak child gone. <laughs> Those are my streets. Those are my town. And when the naked dead boy story hit, Someone told the Franks' family lawyer that someone should go down to the morgue to see if the naked dead boy was Bobby. So Bobby's uncle went, and after he identified the body, Jacob Franks was told that his son was dead. And sadly, his uncle did identify the body solely by its genitals. And this just leads to more questions than answers, and I I don't like what's happening here. You know what I also appreciate this time period is that the father never had experienced trauma other than the war. As that he just had trauma though. All he had to do was go to the war. And then he came back and he never had to see an, or hear an unpleasant thing ever again. He had to go work. Obviously, he was doing unpleasant things because he was running Sears Roebuck or whatever at, at the point, whichever which one of these was. No, no, no. Sears, the guy who ran Sears Roebuck, that was Richard Loeb's father. Either mm. way, they're businessmen. Okay. And so they're already <laughs> making terrible decisions, but right. they don't see it, yeah. right? And yeah. so, but yeah, just sending the lawyer to go look at your son's body, and he's like, all right, <laughs> okay. Uh. Is he just happy? He's like, yeah. Wow, well, the brutal. reason why is because they didn't want to upset the mother, Flora. Sure. Like of they didn't course. want to say, they didn't want Flora to know, like because it, it w- if it turned out that it wasn't his body, then there would be no reason to upset Flora. So it's like, why don't you go take care of this? And he called him up and said, "Guy got some bad news." And every single time she yeah. gets upset, she squirts webs out of her cloaca, which is why they they, they hate cleaning up. Because honestly, some of those big sized human mother webs are they're incredibly strong. So you just feel like this would be the time for you to demean the mother of a victim. It's a hundred years ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. But just after Franks was told the news, when he was still in shock, Leopold and Loeb called the Franks house with further instructions. They said, "Quote, hey, hey there. This is uh, George Johnson speaking. Yeah, good, yeah. good, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's good. Johnson, white, yeah. good white. Yeah, good white. Yeah. There will be a yellow cab in your door in ten minutes." Uh, get into it and proceed immediately to the drugstore at nice. 1465 East 63rd Street. Yeah, that's perfect, perfect. Yeah, yeah, got you, you fucking asshole. You fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Give me a picture of your butt. Bring a picture of your butt. <laughs> your feet smell like radishes. Okay, good. But since Jacob already knew that his son was dead, oh. Franks just walked outside when the yellow cab pulled up and paid the man for his troubles. Then sent him on his way. I've already seen a dead boy this morning. <laughs> oh, a horrible day. In the meantime, though, Leopold and Lowe believed that their plan was on a solid track. So they continued the setup of the elaborate ransom delivery plan that we discussed last week. It's a project! I mm. guess. Didn't they hear the news that everyone else heard the news that there was a dead boy? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a thing. Just as they were putting the final touches on their master scheme, they happened to walk past a newsstand that featured an unmissable headline that said something along the lines of, Naked boy found in drain pipe. But wait a second, wait a second. Do you think that's what if that's to... not our there might be another one. naked boy? <laughs> oh, because God. there was Wolf. that naked boy parade. <laughs> but I think right. that was just at <laughs> the Clemenson's home. Mm, and yeah. yeah, they were choosing a new son. <laughs> oh, but you know, that's... all of those boys get scattered to the orphan holds. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, Richard figured, hey, there's no point in continuing all this if the body has already been found. Uh, Nathan... Now it's just, oh, now it's ruined. They ruined yeah. it. But Nathan figured, hey, maybe they haven't identified the dead naked boy yet. 
But when Jacob Franks didn't show up at the drugstore from the yellow cab they sent, Nathan conceded that the plan was kaput. Fuck, so, fuck, <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. You can so see that shit in the car just like, fucking goddamn, fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah, yeah. So both of them went to their respective homes at around 4 p.m. with full knowledge that they'd fucked up their perfect crime. Not a perfect crime anymore, Lee No, Bowles. it's really <laughs> not. It? No, it's not lobe. Hey, well, you said that made me fucking horny. <laughs> Don't you fuck around with me. You have sex with me. You backscuttle me. That's another term I found for 1920s uh, for uh, gay men. Backscuttlers. Very fun. Backscuttlers. Wow, yeah, backscuttling. And it's yeah. all about, I think it's about getting down on your hands and knees and crawling backwards like a fucked up crab. <laughs> well, have a good time with it. Also, Henry informed me that in the early 1900s, heterosexuality was defined, and it was actually originally defined as a disgusting it, it love a, of women. An abnormal and excessive fascination with the opposite sex. Isn't That's that how it was defined in 1901. Interesting. interesting. You know, my, my favorite euphemism has always been the beast with two backs. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, though, I thought ass to ass wasn't invented until 2001 in Requiem for a Dream. Oh, no, that was oh. just when it got, that's just when it got monetized and put on on the big screen. Pre-9-11, oh, yeah. man, the world was simpler. Yeah. Well, Requiem for a Dream was uh, not simple. It was quite complex I know, but they, <laughs> it actually was very simple. All they wanted was heroin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... It's tough to get. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure there were people taking devices and putting them in each other's asses and, and going back and forth. And back oh, and my forth. God. Before decades, the first centuries, be yeah. millennium. Before the first person defecated, they were jamming something in there. I actually yeah. also had a listener email say that the first instance of a blowjob ever depicted was in a hieroglyph. Wow. Yeah, man. They, we've been sucking dick since the fucking weed crawled out of the river. People have been horny forever, and people have had blue senses of humor because Henry, this is actually, I'm giving you two compliments here. He also informed me the first joke of all time involved a woman farting on somebody's cock. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And great. There yeah. You go. And, and chimps blow each other, right? Oh, yeah. Every creature. Every animal blows each other. And, uh, <laughs> dolphins are known to have sex with one. I did read that they, they have sex with inanimate objects for pleasure alone. Like, there was one example of a dolphin fucking a, a beheaded fish. Like, he just yeah. stuck it on a stick like a little slush like that wiggled around and shit. <laughs> Okay. Well, back to the story, huh? All right. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> now, naturally, a story about a dead boy mangled and stuffed in a drainage pipe was big news. And even though it hadn't yet been announced that the victim was a society boy, the Leopold House was still a Twitter with the newest true crime story of the day. Time to ring the naked boy bell. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> we did it boy. again. Now, all this gossip made Nathan a little uncomfortable. So he went out for a walk. And outside, he ran into his English teacher, Mott Mitchell, who coincidentally would soon become a suspect in the Bobby Franks murder himself. Oh. Well, Mott had heard that the victim had been identified as Bobby Franks. But Nathan, of course, denied knowing the boy. I don't know that boy. And yeah. he's like, I didn't I ask didn't, you. No, I didn't ask. Him. I didn't know him. That's I didn't kill him. No, well, and I won't kill him and I won't kill again. Okay. <laughs> Weird conversation. I'm just going to go. And I certainly won't kill you. In a perfect crime. Well, by definition, it's no longer perfect because you just threatened me with that. Unless I then do it without being caught, then yeah. it is the most perfect crime. I was a horrible teacher to you, and I'm sorry I didn't teach you anything else I wish about morality. They, I wish you had reached out to me. I know. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think they they might have they might have blown each other. But we'll oh, get to that okay. later. Whoa, Maybe. Wow. Yeah, that's how it is, no. man. The Queen's Nate, English. Nate. Yep. <laughs> back Scotland is back in fashion. Oh, Mama Sita. 
Richard Loeb, meanwhile, who was a different kind of sociopath, he reveled in the story. He discussed it at length with a few college buddies who were all journalism students at the University of Chicago. This is the next day. Do you think that one of the killers was blonde? (laughs) I don't know, because I've heard that one of the killers was impossibly handsome. (laughs) You the killer man? I wish I was. Okay. Now, one of these college students, one of these buddies, was an actual student journalist for the school newspaper. And he noted that Richard Loeb seemed to have an insider's view of the murder. Now, this wasn't immediately a red flag because Richard Loeb was Bobby's second cousin after all. Well, when Richard took the journalism students to the drugstore where Jacob Franks was supposed to contact the kidnappers to impress his friends with a location scoop, it was noted again that maybe Richard knew a little bit too much about this case. (laughs) Yeah, he's just real into it. In, a yeah. way, in almost a psychic fashion. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, the smoking man uh, from that fantastic television show that we all know and love. The X-Files? Makeup, uh, no, no. I wanted to see what he uh, thought it was. See, okay, yeah. What did you think it was? Blumper in the bitch. He's, now he's just making it up. <laughs> now I know he's no, making it up. But I'm saying is usually the, usually the deep throat isn't also the perpetrator. Sure. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're not supposed <laughs> to. Furthermore, Richard seemed to both brag about being Bobby's second cousin while also maligning him. Richard called Bobby an arrogant, selfish, spoiled boy, and he even went so far as to say that if he was going to murder anybody... And I mean anybody! Anybody. (laughs) Bobby was just the kind of, quote cocky little son of a bitch he'd pick. (laughs) He was just recently killed. How old is he? He was 14. Oh, yeah, he could be cocky, I guess, but sure, it doesn't matter. He's 14. Yeah. But strangely, though, this statement didn't raise any eyebrows because I suppose it was just chalked up to Richard just being Richard. That's the thing. I don't (laughs) think these guys are very good at being journalists. Well, the asshole part of it kind of blends the whole thing together because he, again, he just, he acted in character as it was. Right. Mm -hmm. Live from your grave. A roast as dark as the night, perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes, he's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of Spring Hill Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. 
Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with our seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. Now, once the murder of Bobby Franks became big news, the Chicago police chief held a press conference and made the murder sound much more heinous than it actually was, calling it one of the most brutal murders the Chicago PD had ever come across. Now, that's absolutely not true. No. Because remember, H.H. Holmes wasn't that long ago when it yeah. comes to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they had other ones. But it, you yeah. had a good reason for it I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, even though Bobby Franks was murdered, the 1919 rape and murder of a Chicago six-year-old named Janet Wilkinson had <sighs> been far worse. And that's not even counting the hundreds of gangland slayings that had drowned Chicago in blood since Prohibition began. When I was doing a little mm. bit of research of the rise of the mafia in Chicago, it really is kind of wild how many mass murders took place like yeah and because again it's in the past which is like you know i jokingly said it's fun to make fun of the woman because 100 years ago well they would be dead now anyway but yeah but the idea of but looking back in time at that time period it was an active land war yeah. happening in chicago right that they were currently also fighting so they're fighting this land war kind of against themselves 
because they're also slowly but surely be- the cops are, which we'll see is a trend, are becoming the mafia mm-hmm. in Chicago. And that war is tearing the city apart as well. Mm-hmm. Great food city, though. Oh, yeah. Great that's how you get it. City. When you combine mm. mafia and cops, that's Ooh. actually how you get good food. Yeah. But making this murder seem bigger than it was was the entire point. A big, stinky murder that wasn't of the gangland persuasion distracted the public from how bad of a job the Chicago police were doing enforcing prohibition. And it distracted from just how many gangland murders had gone unsolved or prevented by said police. In addition, the new mayor of Chicago, William Deaver, had campaigned on ending the trade of illegal liquor in Chicago. Mm -hmm. But at this point in history, Chicago was nevertheless rapidly becoming the property of one Al Capone. I just see these guys saying like, we are definitely going to stop the flow of that heinous devil alcohol through the city. Meanwhile, like you could just see the whiskey yeah. soaked <laughs> in their mustache. <laughs> like Absolutely. It, just brown liquid just goes down their chin. That's what I was yeah. thinking as well. If you're a police officer, a detective, anyone who works in homicide, I mean, the death rates are so high. If they don't have alcohol, they're just going to end up killing people also. Like, I feel like what else do you do to unwind when you're a hardened detective? Prohibition was a uh, massive mistake. Oh, you actually, think it was a mistake? Yeah, it was. And it so actually uh, cemented a massive, the corrupt angle of many local governments. And uh, and it's never left. I'm just so happy you're getting political. I mean, this is as far as I go. No, oh, absolutely. And, and this is also during this time, Al Capone was not quite yet a boss. This is more like the time of Johnny Torrio. Uh, yeah, but this yeah, was yeah. around the time that it started transitioning from Torrio over into Capone. And that was the bloodiest transition because Torrio was the guy who did everything. You got to be able to have conversations. You got to be able. It was all peaceful. So it was all like, this is business. This isn't a war. We got, we got to look out each for each other. And Al Capone's like, hey, I'll kill everybody. Because he just wanted to be in charge. It's pretty yeah. cool. City is eating itself. Oh, I am vengeance. He does remind me of the Penguin's origin story oh, from yes? the Batman. And am I sexually attracted to Robert Pattinson? Yes. Yeah, because yeah. he. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to distract from all that, Cops focused on high-profile crimes that could be solved or at least closed. You know, those are two very different things. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they investigated the murder of Bobby Franks with a vigorous helping of police brutality and unconstitutional behavior to speed the process along. Hey, de- Detective Peterson, come over here. You see this case file that's open? Yeah, yep. See, so no, it's not solved, right? Yeah, yeah, no. You I'm doing this my- is incredible because I'm new to the force. See what I'm doing here with my hands? <laughs> yeah. Whoa, you're just closing it with your hands like that. I just closed it. And now you see this little file here? Well, you put it, put right, it right in there. Whoa, and we just... Case saw, closed. We just solved the crime? <laughs> let's go get hammered. Whoa, that's incredible. Whoa! Yeah, let's go get, quote unquote, some uh, medicine uh, liquid from the pharmacist. Fantastic. <laughs> now, the first suspect pool for the Bobby Frank's murder was the faculty of the Harvard School for Boys. So the day after the body was identified, investigators rounded up and roughly interrogated every instructor in the school using everything from unlawful imprisonment to rubber hose beating. I uh, I looked up how they beat up beat you up with the rubber hose, like what they do. Mm-hmm. So the idea at the time was that it would it would be inappropriate to leave bruises on their face. Oh, I yeah. see. And uh, because at the time, police brutality was, and I, guys, They're listen, more humble. It was frowned upon. Okay. But it was <laughs> considered an active interrogation tactic. I okay. mean, different from now, obviously. Definitely. Definitely different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they don't do this anymore at no, all. No, they don't just kill no. you. But no. the idea that they, they but police brutality was considered a part of the normal interrogation 
interrogation process. So what they but they wanted to do was that they couldn't put you on the stand with bruises on your face because then we're all like, okay, who did it? And then <laughs> they'll find bad. out. But so they would do is they'd fill a rubber hose, a piece of industrial, like a length of it, like three right. feet in length. They'd fill it with dirt. And oh. then they rip, they cordon off the two sides of it yeah. and then just beat the ever living fuck out of you. And they said that it didn't cause bruises, but a homemade billy club. I there. don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like it might bru I bruise very easily. What's yeah. kind of interesting about this is the teachers at this all boys school, you know, for a fact, there's at least 5% pedophiles in there. So at least they got a scare that day. You are you are literally saying talking points from the chief of the Chicago police. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. You this guy, very he, much he's are. a good guy. I like this guy. <laughs> you very much are. The, but the, yeah, yeah, you're you're, you're wow. definitely still on that. Everyone's a pedophile train. <laughs> no, I said five percent. I said five percent. Ninety-five percent not pedophile. Look on the bright side, guys. <laughs> <laughs> now the reasoning for going after teachers first was threefold. First. Every teacher knew Bobby Franks and knew that Jacob Franks was rich, so it could be safely assumed that the $10,000 ransom would be paid. Hmm. Second, $10,000 was more than five years' salary for an instructor at the Harvard School for Boys, which gave ample motive. Oh, yes. But lastly, and most importantly for the future of the investigation, the ransom note was so well-written that it was correctly surmised that only a highly educated snoot box could have written it, which <laughs> narrowed the suspect pool in Prohibition-era Chicago considerably. And okay. uh, honestly, if you do read the ransom note, we covered it a little bit last week, but I'll read this last little paragraph to you see what they're talking about. As a final word of warning, this is a strictly commercial proposition, and we are prepared to put our threat into execution should we have reasonable grounds to believe that you have committed an infraction of the above instructions. However... Should you carefully follow out your instructions to the letter, we can assure you that your son will safely be returned to you within six hours of our receipt of the money. But it's, it's very, no, there's no, like, gunk on it. No. There ain't no stank on it. There's no, no like, other <laughs> there's people no do, riddle. There's, like, there's no fat cats. There's yeah. no Dorner lists of shout outs. Like, there's nothing, like, there's nothing <laughs> right. fun in it. And it, it was, yeah. again, they thought that, like, well, obviously some stuffed shirt asshole wrote this. Don't corner the Dorner. Also, did you say receipt? Yes, on purpose. Receipts. I didn't know. <laughs> and there was no spelling mistakes whatsoever. None. So they thought this absolutely has to be an educated person. Spelled Beverly wrong. <laughs> and additionally, Jacob Frank's address had been handwritten on the envelope containing the first ransom letter. And the penmanship obviously suggested that it came from a capable, educated hand. Dearest, uh, all yours, forever yours, Nathan Leopold uh, George Jacks. This also shows, actually, ironically, a level of stupidity. They should have dumbed it down, perhaps, if they didn't want people to know what kind of class they belong to. Well, that's why um, every from now on, everybody does it. Now they mm -hmm. know you don't. You have. That's why they purposely misspell things. You. It uh, is all about throwing cops off mm -hmm. the trail. Okay. Well, in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> This information placed the focus of the investigation on the instructors at the Harvard Boys School. And while, yes, some had engaged in suspicious activity, when looked. What the fuck were you just yelling at me for? Listen, let me finish. Suspicious activity, when looked through the lens of a child murder investigation. That's the thing. 
Most of these men were just teachers and were unfairly maligned. Most Probably 95% were unfairly maligned. <laughs> How much were not? How many were not, Mr. Parks? <laughs> well, well you're still on the pedophile okay. train. Okay. 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 Well, I'm sorry, 5% of the teachers at this boys' school are. Sometimes a false flag is still a flag. No. You know what I mean? Then like, a, you, you, there is a flag happening. It's a truth flag. Well, the one thing, the only thing that I argue with is that, that you say that just because somebody ha works at a boys' school, it means that they're more likely to be a pedophile than not. And that's what I take Honestly, issue with. Honestly, it doesn't make them less likely. If you work at a Burger King, odds are you eat more Burger King. So the <laughs> fact of the matter is... Well, yeah, you have access to boys. Exactly. That's the thing. I, it's where the I'm pile calling, of boys are. I am calling false equivalency, sir. False equivalency. Hamburgers are not boys. Anuses. I don't know. Have you ever put a boy between two buns? All <laughs> right. It's an idiot sandwich. Well, <laughs> Gordon Ramsay. As far as being unfairly maligned, let's start with a math teacher named Walter Wilson. Walter Wilson had once taken the Franks children on an excursion to Riverside and hadn't returned with the boys until 1 a.m. But there wasn't anything untoward about the late arrival. No, At least that's what just, the cop said. He was probably just hammered. Weird. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, I probably I do like what I did. out with my math teacher till one a.m. But okay. But sometimes, yeah, I hung out with my history teacher for like three days in the swap Is, house. Yeah, and yeah. honestly, we all we really did was watch old Flintstones cartoons uh -huh. while I watched him do bong rips, and he just said, "Don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. You're my wife now." But the whole time, I was just like, "Well, when are we fucking?" Oh, I see. You yeah. flipped it. Yeah. But since Wilson didn't even have a girlfriend, much less a wife, and since he didn't know any young ladies in Chicago, police assumed he was a pedophile. How many times have you hung out with an eight-year-old till 1 a.m.? I mean... How many times? That isn't your child. I don't even want a child. You know but that's mean? the thing, right. just because, it, but if he had a wife, they would have said, no, totally fine, totally cool. He was probably just gay, or he had bad luck with the ladies. He's weird. Then, he lost his watch. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I found it inside Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mama. Well, this accusation of pedophilia was also assumed of athletics coach Richard Williams and English teacher Mott Mitchell, the latter of which had spoken to Nathan Leopold the day of the murder. Both mm -hmm. Williams and Mitchell were questioned for five hours by police who beat them with a rubber hose to elicit a confession. But dog meat again, you say this with such derision. They had to sign a paper after confessing saying that the confession was completely of their own choice. Right. And I don't think, I, that's where you don't understand that the rubber I, hose, I don't get it. it just leads them to the conversation. Right. Like an hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> oh, I see. Like a, mm. like a cocktail hour at a wedding. Oh, that is yeah. always nice. However, I will concede that these two were a little more suspicious than the others. I'll concede yeah, it that. Sounds that's like a buddy. That's of these. They took all the Jerry teachers. Jerry Sandusky over here. I'll concede that. I'll concede that. See, Williams had come under scrutiny because police had found an unknown brown liquid in his home. Mm. Now I keep shit in a jar. You got a problem with it? I, I'm <laughs> an American. I fought in World War One. One. Who, who shit is it? My. Okay. <laughs> Once it shit, it belongs to everybody. <laughs> oh, exactly. oh, yeah, man. This is everybody. This is, yeah, bro. Fucking feces is public domain. That's public friend. domain. Right. I don't need a copyright to keep a jar of shit in my home. Oh, like the poo. Well, this related to the Franks murder because, if you'll remember, while Leopold and Loeb believed they could disfigure the corpse's face beyond recognition with hydrochloric acid, the caustic chemical just sort of stained it brown. 
The part about it that was a little suspicious. And remember, this was common practice at the time. Why are you defending these two <laughs> pedophiles? I'm not you... defending pedophiles. I'm defending your... Uh, your fa- I'm defending... 5%. <laughs> innocent until proven guilty. And we yes. have to have due process. Not yes, on I'm our, just saying that podcast. you throw around the pedophile uh, accusation a little I too freely. I said 5%. <laughs> With this brown liquid was a lotion that Williams rubbed into his students' muscles I after am so vigorous fucking exercise. pissed at you. This is a, he's, a, he's a coach, okay? Oh, he's a coach? And he's you a know coach. He's, he's a, a coach. coach. So coach I did something the- accurate 20 minutes ago, <laughs> and then you have completely agreed with me, but somehow you're t- saying I'm wrong. I did not completely agree with you at all. You're saying 5%. You don't even know how many teachers were at this school, so how are you doing these percentages, sir? Where is your calculator? I'm Show your say- math. Show your math. I'm going to step in and say, Dogmeat, he's obviously not crunching the numbers. But <laughs> there is a, there was kernel of truth. And again, and this does mm-hmm. then feature mm-hmm. into it. And I'm not going to, again, I'm, with Kissel, I'm not going to give him the broken clock algorithm, like uh, saying. I'm not going mm-hmm. to say that he's correct sure. either. But technically, in a way, Kissel is, is being correct. the, it's being correct. the uh, no. allegorical no. broken clock currently. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Ben, if if 5% of people who teach at boys' schools are pedophiles, who are we going to get to teach all these boys? 95% of the other teachers. <laughs> we just need more disciplined just... pedophiles that know to keep their yeah. hands to themselves. Because then uh. again, because then they love the work. Because they're really building these kids' minds. Uh, I don't and honestly, think so. that's right. They, they just need more training. Yeah. Well, Mott Mitchell, I will admit, he did edge much closer to pedophile territory. He did have a reputation for having sex with his teenage students. Uh, He did have that. There was that. But I'm not going to say that's 5%. I'm just saying it's one guy, one bad apple, Ben. He's a coach. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) He's trying to get him ready for scouting. This is the teacher. That's the English teacher. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, he's got to stop calling himself a coach then. I don't know what he's using that whistle for. Exactly. (laughs) But And he also had a $10,000 mortgage, the exact amount that the kidnappers requested. But what removed both men from the suspect list, and all the teachers for that matter, was the fact that they had ironclad alibis for the night of Bobby Franks' murder. Despite that fact, though, state's attorney Robert Crow still thought that it was a teacher who done it. So Crow kept all of the teachers locked up for a week without warrants after convincing a judge that ignoring habeas corpus was necessary to solve the case. And those kids, think about it, it's just, school's (laughs) out for the summer. Every teacher in school is in jail. Man, that's fucking freedom, dude. That's how the Foot Clan started. Yeah, it really is. Skateboard ramps everywhere. Sounds like a far side cartoon. Just a hundred English teachers all in a cell eating gummy bears for (laughs) dinner man who gives a shit dude teachers are gone it's illegal to teach me but the nice thing is they didn't arrest any janitors because they know for a fact janitors are the purest people that work in schools i think a lot of them just died during the interrogation could be so you're gonna say that teachers are five percent pedophiles but janitors are 100 percent a-okay we know for a fact the janitors are not Nope. (laughs) I'm team janitor all the way. (laughs) Then, even after the teachers were released, one investigator still went to the press to angrily maintain that one teacher had written the letter while another had murdered Bobby Franks. In other words, the police were flailing and figured that they could beat and intimidate their way towards a confession just to get the murder off the books, like oh so many cops have done before and after. Remember, kids, no lawyer. No talky-talky. No talky-talky, especially if you're innocent. And again, we open it up. 
Oh, look at that. Oh, that's an open case. The, the well, case it's so much work. It's so much paperwork. We're gonna, oh, it's closed Close it now. <laughs> Put it right that's, there. Oh, what a relief. Detective work. Now, as far as other leads went, a 10-year-old child named Irving did come forward to say that he'd seen Bobby Franks on the day he was murdered talking to someone in a gray Witten automobile. Mm. But the 10-year-old said that when he turned away to look at some flowers... The Winton was already gone. Uh, maybe these ki- these teachers should be arrested because none of these kids have a span of attention. And honestly, they need to be it's... able to pay attention to what's going on. This is really more kids need to be taught how to do witness recollection. Well, this is why I'm actually team Pokemon Go as well. It gets the kids out of the house. They can find the bodies. But they they're pay just attention. looking at their phones. No, they're looking at reality through their phones, but they yeah. also see reality. You're just building. Yeah. It's interesting because you have all these problems with AI, but you're just building the case for augmented reality. In that one situation. <laughs> Now, much like the car in the Paul Bernardo case, where cops chased the wrong vehicle for far too long, everyone in a gray Winton in Chicago got constantly harassed until Leopold and Loeb were caught, to the point where some painted their cars a different color entirely. Oh, yeah. Now, it was assumed that Bobby Franks had been the victim of a child molester because the coroner hinted in his report that the boy had been molested because the rectum was dilated and could, Mm. quote, easily admit one middle finger. Hey, man, oh. at least it wasn't a thumb. I, I don't know. I get, but the, oh, no, I don't want to think about it. It's just the thing is that you're looking it up and, they, and they're like, hey, hey, Jimmy, come over here. What kind of finger you think you <laughs> yeah, get in this thing? Yeah, that could fit in there. All right, how do, how do I put this in the report? Should I say a carrot? The edge of a cane? <laughs> I mean, I don't, what should I put in here? It's never a good day when you have to decipher what could fit in a, in one, you know what I'm talking about. In the about. dead boy? Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing is that the the middle finger, there's no difference between these three fingers as far as like diameter, diameter goes. Um, yeah, it's yeah. just the middle finger is the longest one. So that, that gets to the <laughs> It just sounds like he went bowling that morning. Yeah, just staring, <laughs> staring at my meat hooks. I think the pointer is actually the, the thickest. But. You do. Yeah, it is big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> well, at least it wasn't his dick and balls. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. And so the police chief issued a general order to arrest, quote, all persons known to be perverts, Uh-oh. including a known pedophile. <laughs> I love this, though. Just being like, all right, everybody you know who's a pervert? Everyone. Bring him in. Do they just register as pervert? But this is what's hard is that you got a mixture of just normal people that are just homosexual that at the time considered yeah, a right. psychological disease. You have people that, I mean, like, uh, what do we now know? Everyone's a pervert on some level. Absolutely. Everybody's sure, got yeah. something. There's something at the core something of somebody that you really necessarily like. If you told everybody every thought you ever had, they'd consider you some kind of unrepentant pervert that needs to be put in a jail, right? Well, people do yeah. that now, though. They do that. Yeah, yeah. I know that. Yes, it's yeah. 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 No, no, it's, it's, it's literally what's destroying society and what's yes. going to end the entire world. What do women want? <laughs> uh, they want they want a dress with pockets oh, <laughs> there, we they go. Want. there we go but to the state's attorney's credit he didn't think pedophilia had anything to do with it he correctly surmised that if it was just about sex the guilty party or parties wouldn't have overcomplicated things with letters and chauffeurs and so on and so forth mm. rather he figured that it was of course, a kidnapping gone wrong. Well, he also doesn't have what we now have with the decades of true crime research. You find out a lot of the reason why the people do all of that rigmarole, the letters and and ransom stuff is to extend their sexual fantasy. It actually is a part of their sexual fantasy. But this kid just Mm. wasn't straight up sexually assaulted for them for that to easily point at it. Yeah. And then Crow then pivoted, perhaps quite cleverly as far as obtaining resources went, to say that the kidnappers were also 
Cokeheads. Right, well, Wait, why? Yeah, I don't know. because with this, he was able to bring in the newly minted Bureau of Investigation to help out. See, if you got you narcotics do. involved. You That's got it. the FBI. Uh, Get that just, Chappelle show thing. You just got to sprinkle some crack. You He's got to go over it. there. You go right up to the little kid. You put a little cocaine under his nose and be like, this is a cartel. We're going to have to bring Rico into this. <laughs> okay. Now, there was no evidence whatsoever for the involvement of cocaine, but there was one piece of very valuable evidence the police didn't even know they had yet. Hmm. That piece was the tortoiseshell eyeglasses belonging to Nathan Leopold that had been dropped at the scene where Bobby's body was dumped. Hmm. Now, incredibly, the eyeglasses were just assumed to belong to Bobby Franks because they were found next to the body. So when they shipped his corpse to the funeral home, the glasses were included. And the funeral home actually put Nathan Leopold's glasses <gasps> on Bobby Franks's corpse for the viewing. Yeah, Oh, yeah, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so that he can see in heaven. Yeah, what's the <laughs> point, even if they were his glasses? It's nice. It, technically, it's nice because you say, because also what we know about the glasses is they were extremely expensive. All yeah. Right. Tortoise shell. But when the family walked in for the wake, they very quickly asked, why did you put these weird glasses on my son? So the glasses were handed over to the police as an obviously key piece of evidence, and news of the glasses immediately broke in the papers. Now, by this point, Leopold and Loeb knew that they were getting real close to fucked. Yeah, man. Uh -oh. and, this, and this is rich boy style fucked, right? right? So they're sitting in their mom's parlor house, smoking cigars or doing whatever they do, drinking snifters of brandy and just being like, I don't think we're going to make it to the Potomac Summer Gala this year. No, I think it, it's probably going to hit pretty hard when they realize they're totally screwed. So they came up with an alibi in which they would vouch for each other no matter how much the police pressured them. They would become each other's alibi. I was inside of Loeb. I was inside of Loeb. There's no way I could be there. And he was inside of me. And honestly, it was incredible because I was the pitta and he was the halal. Oh, isn't that nice? Nathan, meanwhile, destroyed the typewriter used to write the ransom letter and threw the pieces in the river. In two different parts of the river, by the way. The oh. keys in one part, the mechanics in the other. You go in the river. You're going in the you other river. You go in the other river. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Nice. But nevertheless, on May 29th, police still arrived at Nathan Leopold's door as part of routine questioning. Now, through a series of interviews with different folk, it was discovered that Nathan Leopold often went to Wolf Lake on ornithology excursions. <laughs> and he sometimes took groups of students from the Harvard School of Boys with him. You can't yell. You can't laugh at the ornithology people, the bird watchers. Sure. Because all they do is watch. They do. And, and they, I love uh, birds. They, I mean, they scare me. but And because they're so good at following little tiny things like birds, you don't think how easy it would be for them to track down a six foot seven Bud Light Warbler. Go <laughs> the down Bud there, Light Warbler. Find and put you in a fucking, can't wait to put a net over your head and they pin you to a fucking wall like a butterfly? No, I'm much bigger than a dove. I'm much larger than a butterfly. I'm actually not scared of ornithologists at all. But a gun makes us all the size of birds. No, but they don't shoot guns. They take pictures of the you bird. You don't know. You don't no, know they, what they do. They do. They do. Uh, Nathan Leopold absolutely shot the birds. Oh, he you would shoot them. the birds? He I did. thought most ornithologists did not hear birds. The weak ones just go and fucking take pictures of Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. The real ones blow their fucking little heads off. No, that's, my, that's not an ornithologist then. That's a pornithologist. That's disgusting there. Also, pornithology, one of the hotter you just wing beasts. You just ran like no himself. It was also noted that Nathan owned a pair of tortoiseshell eyeglasses. 
However, when police knocked on Nathan's door that day, he was not considered a serious suspect. Rather, he was just the next door to knock, and nobody knew that they were about to bust this case wide open. Because that's the thing, too, is you go in, you really think you're just covering your bases. You're like, right. all right, yeah. we'll talk to these fucking rich kids, probably get some snifter or brandy out of it or whatever. And then you know that he was just so, he's such a little twerp. That yeah. Think about a lot of these fucking little twerpy fuckers all these fucking right. like, the, like the the what's his putts uh, the, the 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 most excellent gentleman uh, uh oh no, yeah uh, elliot roger elliot, elliot roger like all these guys like these fucking uh, as soon as you put the screws to them they fall apart absolutely none oh, yeah. of them can handle the heat now nathan was predictably haughty with the three officers who showed up on his doorstep <gasps> and <laughs> demanded to see their credentials badges buttholes <laughs> badges <laughs> buttholes <laughs> Based partly on his attitude, police brought Nathan to the Hotel LaSalle for questioning, where state's attorney Robert Crow was waiting. Excellent. I love their deviled eggs. Indeed. And as the an most evil breakfast. As an ornithologist, <laughs> he probably likes uh, Detective Crow. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably hey, shoot well. him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> Now, obviously, the focal point of the questioning quickly became the eyeglasses. But Nathan insisted that his tortoiseshell eyeglasses were somewhere at home. I'm not their keeper. <laughs> I mean, you are. Do, you are. No, I don't, they don't rule on their them, own. So. No, no, I won't dare ever because everyone has their own will to power. Now, let me explain for the next four hours <laughs> what that means. Okay. So Nathan took the cops back to his place and made a big show of looking for his eyeglasses. <laughs> You know what's important sometimes with these glasses? You have to surprise them. They won't show themselves. <laughs> Are you over there? Huh? Huh? Are you huh? over there? Huh? Under the rock. <laughs> but when the case for the glasses was found empty, uh -oh. Leopold was held on suspicion and his home was searched. And amongst many a stuffed bird, police found a Remington revolver with no permit. But even more suspicious was a letter that Nathan Leopold had written to Richard Loeb, but hadn't sent. Hmm. In the letter, Nathan angrily accused Richard of treachery and threatened to kill him, but oh. at the same time insisted that they remain friends for appearance's sake. But Nathan did say that if they ended their friendship, they had to be careful. His argument was thus. The motif of the falling out of cocksuckers would sure to be popular which is patently undesirable and forms an unknown but unavoidable bond between us. Good Lord, man. It's so intense. He is very intense. I, the sentence that actually talked about how he was going to kill them is also really interesting because it shows their, their relationship was also very, how do you put it? volatile yeah they yeah. had a, even throughout all of this time period like they had gotten back together and they were working out but again richard loeb was just taken taken the shaft as it's also said sure or probably giving he was giving the shaft i would it. say so yeah oh, okay. but he was only doing that out of just kind of like an appearances and to keep this worm in play mm. right because now especially that they've committed a crime together they have to be a unified front back scuttlers unite right but <laughs> Nathan Leopold truly was obsessed with Loeb and it annoyed the living fuck out of him. But in a way, Nathan Leopold was the they kind of always balanced between who was the more dangerous one. Because think about mm -hmm. this. He wrote this in a letter, but didn't send him. Imagine if you found this letter in my house. If you found me saying this about Kissel. OK. When you came to my home this afternoon, I expected either to break friendship with you or attempt to kill you. I can Unless see you, you told me why you acted as you did yesterday. 
saying how no dare talk shit about my organ meat. No, I I could actually see you saying something like that in, in a more Polish way. Yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. it is, they were always uh, they were kind of on the verge of killing each but other. But it seems mm-hmm. like that was part of the charm, huh? I don't think I don't think that Nathan Leopold held a lot of charm for Richard Loeb. Richard Loeb was using Nathan Leopold, but Leopold liked getting the globes. Okay, yeah, and I think and Leopold also liked this. He, of course, it was all the king slave relationship. Yes. He liked the push and pull of it. So and I think the, it was. Uh, I think the volatility was part of as you say the charm of their relationship i think it kept him coming back because who else is going to give him that sort of oomph that like oomph. that sort of danger you know that push right. that shove yeah. that yeah. stuffing uh-huh. <laughs> i see what you're saying <laughs> and so richard loeb was brought in for interrogation as well not just because they were in a sexual relationship of some kind but because there was something obviously fishy and sinister about their relationship. Listen, I'm just going to put it down here, and this is a real simple, all right? The reason why we're bringing you in this derogation room is because you're rich, gay, and evil. And we just want to look at it. We just need to look at it real close because you scared the shit out of me. Right. You know right. what I mean? I understand, yeah. But before Richard showed up, Nathan did finally admit that the glasses found at Wolf Lake were his. Yes. Uh-oh. He remembered. He had fallen down during his last birding trip next to the drainage pipe. Yes. Yes, it was next to the yeah. drainage oh, okay. pipe. Yes. Oh, and yes, yes, they, and yes they, yeah. they had to have fallen out of my pocket then. They had to have. That it had to have been I, I, Oh, it was a goof. It, it was a goof. I'm the scene from Mr. Bean. <laughs> How many times have you dropped glasses near a corpse? Oh. Happens so Anytime I'm near a corpse. Anytime you're near a corpse. Okay. <laughs> oh, this was supposedly a week before. This is a oh. week before he he would. He just happened to be near the drainage. I haven't seen just a thing in nine days. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've yeah. just been wandering around, yeah, that's grabbing services. Right. Just, just wondering what things are. What food? Is this food or is this shit? Those are my breasts. Can <laughs> oh, you please stop I'm groping so, me? I need I'm my glasses. Yes, I know. So to test this claim, with the actual murder evidence, by the way, <laughs> yeah, State's yeah. Attorney Crow had Nathan put the glasses in his jacket and take a few pratfalls to see if the glasses <laughs> fell out. Okay, well, no, okay, now okay, I can yeah. do this. Okay, okay ready? And I, action. Uh, hold on, let me just get okay, into okay, character. Okay, okay now, now think about this, all right? There's dirt there. Dr- There's dirt everywhere. Right? Drainage pipe. <laughs> the drainage pipe, right? Yep. I see a pair of shoes hanging out of the drainage pipe, and I go, oh, it's what a windy. lucky pipe. It just yep. went shopping. And then, the, oh, Whoa. Oh. Whoa. What kind and of bird is the, that? The roughneck tickler. Okay, the roughneck tickler. Okay, uh, yes, good. and I can tell just because it went. Oh. 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 Okay. You see, are you impressed, Mr. Crow? I Dr. Crow? Little... What are you? <laughs> and now I'll show you. Just set the scene. Okay. <laughs> no way it could fall out of my pocket. Let's do it again. Okay. <laughs> Oh, making the wind-up extra long. Yeah, really oh, doing good. And fall down. Oh, oh, oh. Simply, it might as well. Oh, this is... There's kind of still in there, though. Yeah. I was covered in jelly. Oh, <laughs> that explains it. Yeah, after a couple of tries, the glasses indeed stayed in his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. And this isn't a hotel. This is a lobby. This is the dumbest detective work I have ever heard. But okay. I love this idea. It's a bunch of people just watching Uh a fucking Mr. Magoo act (laughs) in the lobby of a hotel. And they're like, this is the perfect crowd. (laughs) Now, Leopold and Loeb were both questioned separately at the same time about their alibis. And they corroborated each other exactly concerning how they spent their day about town in Chicago. 
Using Nathan's car as transportation between locations, they had luncheon. They saw a bird. They saw a bird. And you know how long that takes? Yeah, it's a a whole afternoon. Yeah, it was a heron. They saw a heron. You see the heron? That's exciting. (laughs) Nice. They somehow spent six hours in the park. Mm. They had some drinks at a bar. They tried to pick up a couple of girls named May and Edna. Then they went home. I do love the fact that at some point, May and Edna were young. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they were. I can't picture it. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. At one point, yeah, Edna was 19. Think about that. Yeah, Edna. Yeah. 19-year stout. <laughs> Absolutely. Strong woman. Now, this was a pretty normal day for a couple of gadabouts like Leopold and Loeb. Yeah, they got but, nothing to do all fucking day but spend their parents' money. Right. But what didn't add up for State's Attorney Crow was the claim that they tried to pick up girls. Because from Nathan's letter, it was obvious that they were, in effect, dating each other. Well, and, and they, gay men never take beards. Wow. They never, never take, not uh, at all. Not in Hollywood. Hugh Jackman loves no. that 65-year-old woman he's with. <laughs> well, he absolutely he loves going down on her. I think that Hugh Jackman <laughs> loves the theater. He does. So that's he what does. he's married to. Yes, indeed. I, yeah. I think that's true. So Nathan and Richard were kept in custody for the time being while a mountain of easily obtainable evidence piled up around them. They matched the handwriting Mm. on the ransom note envelope Mm. to Nathan's handwriting. Perfect crime. Perfect. Perfect. Nailed it. And and they perfectly matched Nathan's typed legal notes with the typed ransom letter. Obviously done on the same typewriter. Perfect perfect (laughs) amount of evidence to get you for the perfect crime. In an era where it was exceptionally easy to get away with murder, they magically found a way to give them so much evidence. If they had just (laughs) kept the body and didn't dump it, they would have gotten the money and they could have figured out a bunch of shit because, well, we know, nobody, no crime. Mm -hmm. Nobody, no crime. (laughs) Kind of a fun Bob, it Bob Marley it's a, and it's the a, Whalers. It's a bit of a parody. It's a parody. <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps the most unbelievable moment of hubris and arrogance in this entire saga came not from Leopold and Loeb, but their families. Yeah, oh, where do you no. think they got it from? That's true. They were so convinced that their sons were not capable of such a heinous crime that they didn't call a lawyer for three days. Oh, yeah. Morons. Nor did they prevent their sons from speaking to the police at all. And in a way, I wow. think that Leopold and Loeb felt invulnerable. They felt yeah. like that there was just like, yes, the evidence was mounting up, but we'll get into it in the next episode. Their continued behavior will always show that they always kind of felt all of this eventually will go away. Right. Because yeah, everything else had gone away their whole lives. Oh, yes. It's the whole narcissist thing, where it's yeah. the Casey Anthony thing. If I just keep lying, eventually the, the magic to. will become the magical magical thinking. Is that what they call it's, it? I think it's magical thinking. It's that idea. Yeah, exactly. If I just never give in an inch to your storyline, it makes my storyline real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Casey ever mumbles under her breath? Yeah, I did it. Like at the at the bar, <laughs> like tw- two a.m. in oh, Tampa. I'm certain, I'm certain if you were in Fort Lauderdale, you've heard her full confession uh. <laughs> two times a week. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You just have to be there. You have to right. be O'Flanagan's, whatever her garbage bar she does. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Live from your grave. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with Henry Zabrowski. 
Yes, man. Yeah, bro. Henry Zabrowski is smoking some of that sweet last podcast of the left, babe. So go out there and purchase yourself some. I hope you enjoy it. We have sativa, we have indica, and we have a hybrid. And I have to tell you, from my personal experience, they are wonderful. Super tasty live resin. You really get the delicious weedy taste, which is what I like. And yes. three different experiences. You go to your local vape store and get it. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We absolutely love you. Can't wait to see you on the road and get that vape, put it in your brain and have a good time. And if you want us at your favorite weed store, give them a call and ask for them by name. Last podcast on the left, it's weed. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around. It's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! By Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce in a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs in a whole bunch of cha and it started off my day. Correct. Texas Pete. Sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for their little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And oh, they love their life and they love the they love what BarkBox brings. Because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. Hi, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day alive and thrive guarantee, 
guarantee they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs, and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And fast-growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like, I got this uh, Texas sage. It's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there, and it's going to thrive, and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Now, concerning the typewriter, Leopold tried saying that it belonged to his friend Morris Shanberg. But when that was proved to be a lie, Nathan said that it actually belonged to an Italian language professor that Nathan was collaborating with. Whatever. Okay. Nathan claimed that he and this professor were working on a translation of a 15th century pornographic novel called E. Radio, radio, not a radio, 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 yeah, they really do. And this, do and they, they were only translating oh, yes. it. They were supposedly translating it for a small run of 200 copies. I, I just don't really understand. They're always <laughs> obsessed with these things. It was like translations and all this stuff. Who cares? Why do we do this? Garfield is better. Garfield is good. Garfield's no, fine. Other things are better. Batman. Marmaduke. Then have forums better. You don't have to be intellectual about jerking off. You can just do it, man. No, I used to jerk off with penthouse forums. That was some I of the know. first things I ever read. Know, they're, they're, but it that's is good. more intellectual than looking at pictures with women with uh, icicle dildo. Wait a second. You're just about to start <laughs> heading in, You start to head into the territory where incels say that having sex with a woman is gay. Why? <laughs> because you have to then, you have to dare touch a vagina. No, I know. I just said I was reading a lot of hardcore pornographic materials in the penthouse uh, forums and the letters were fun yeah yeah they were but that's you, said it was superior. you said it was superior to pictures no i didn't say it was superior. he said it was more intellectual it was he, more he intellectual. did not say it was superior he says intellectual and i it but is that's more intellectual you have to make it up in your head a penthouse forum is not good writing though it's not high literature no, no i not. fucking came every time so did i but it's not high literature <laughs> so it was it's, better than it if is, it wasn't good if, if you were a bad erotica where it's like and then she yeah the hell yeah i'll get you yeah <laughs> i ripped open her milk woman out outfit because she's some kind of milk woman and i pressed her down and i said oh time to make you a mother well i'm starting to think this mailman doesn't even have any mail on him <laughs> no, it's no e radio namen. I mean, it's mean. not that. But that's a lie. Yeah, that's a lie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Nathan said, you know, it'd be great if you could ask this guy. It could be great if you asked this professor. I'd, we'd but love to talk to this I'd fancy to pervert you're working yeah. with. This <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> I'm yeah. Sure, yeah. Unfortunately, he's on an extended honeymoon. Can't talk mm. to him. Not going to be back for a while. Don't know when he's going to be back. So. <laughs> 
You know, mm-hmm. Fact finding mission. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he had to go find out the top gnocchis yeah. of Italy. So, oh, I and see. then he's gonna come back with the typewriter too because he took that on vacation with him. You always take a typewriter. Yeah, always with you. do. Always. Yeah. Now, after Leopold had been in custody for about a day and a half, his family tried thinking of a way they could help him out. What can we do? And it was the family chauffeur, Sven oh England, who thought that he held the key to Nathan's freedom. Sven went to the police and told them that Nathan couldn't have driven to Wolf Lake on May 21st because Sven had spent all day greasing the brakes on Nathan's car. There you we can go. see this is my act- buckets of grease. You can see my grease-stained knees. I love you, Sven. But technically, this was the smartest thing that they did thus far. So they far. gave themselves a little bit of a, we couldn't have been there. I mean, he was fixing the car. He got ripped apart well yeah okay well well, here's the thing is that leopold and Loeb didn't know that sven england was going to go talk to the cops this is leopold and Loeb's family saying god yes sven yes go tell them this is going to exonerate them they thought that nathan's going to be home in time for dinner but with that single statement sven england gave the police everything they needed to fucking destroy (laughs) Leopold and Loeb's alibi. (laughs) Perfect crime. Because they had told police that they'd used Leopold's car on their frolic through Chicago on the day Bobby Franks was murdered. We wouldn't use any other car. That is our bird car. We go and we see a bird in that car every other fourth Sunday. This isn't Sven's fault, though. No, it's not Sven's fault, but it is in, in Swedish. It's what's called a fort. Oh, that means a big old fuck up? Yeah, that means a big fuck up. Yeah, that's Mm. a a mistake. Big, it's a fault. Mm -hmm. But even though there was a lot of evidence pinning the crime on Leopold and Loeb, it's important to remember that they were both extremely rich and therefore theoretically capable of buying their way out of a murder charge. Mm. So state's attorney Crow pushed for a confession to seal the deal. Now, Nathan and Richard held up for a few hours once the cops put on the full court press. Mm -hmm. But while Crow was taking a break, his very Italian assistant, Johnny (laughs) Sabarbaro, came out. Sabarbaro, man. Uh, Johnny, got a little pepperoni on your face. No, that's my birthmark. That's your birthmark. Oh, wow. Yeah, Johnny Sabarbaro came out and said that Loeb was ready to talk. Now, Loeb walked back his willingness to squeal when Crow came into the room. Mm. And Loeb asked, why am I being held here if you got no evidence against me? Okay. And to that, Crow told Richard about the eyeglasses and laid out just how badly their alibi had been shattered, all while Richard rocked back and forth in his chair. Not good, not oh good, not God. good, not good. Gotta how go see I... Wapner, gotta see Wapner, <laughs> not see, good. Gotta go to Kmart, gotta go to Kmart. <laughs> And finally, Richard broke and said he'd tell them everything. Wow. But predictably, Loeb placed the blame for the crime from beginning to end squarely on the shoulders of one Nathan Leopold. Oh, he didn't own up to it and take responsibility and just say, yeah, I no. did. It. No, he didn't. Okay. This is an excerpt from Richard Loeb's confession, which recounts the murder with chilling detachment. Mm. I drove the car south on Ellis Avenue. Parallel to where young Franks was, and I told him I would like to talk to him about a tennis racket. So we got in the car, and just after we turned off uh, Ellis Avenue, Leopold reached his arm around young Franks, grabbed his mouth, and hit him over the head with the chisel. I believe he hit him several times. I do not know the exact number. Leopold grabbed Franks and carried him over the back of the front seat and threw him on a rug in the car. He then took one of the rags and gagged him by sticking it down his throat. 
The scheme for etherizing him originated through Leopold, who evidently has some knowledge of such things. And he said that that would be the easiest way of putting him to death, and the least messy. This, however, we found unnecessary, because that boy was quite dead when we took him there. We knew he was dead by the fact that rigor mortis had set in, and also by his eyes. And then when at that same time we poured this hydrochloric acid over him, we noticed no tremor, not a single tremor in his body. Therefore, we were sure he was dead. Y'all want some pizza? <laughs> pizza? Can we get some deep dish for lunch? So he really went into great detail there. Yeah. Sounded super cold and super callous. And I don't even necessarily think that he did himself any favors blaming it on uh, the other fellow there because he sounds like he was the one driving the car. It's going right back the other way, too. Yeah. Now, after laying out his tale, Loeb then covered his own ass further by saying that while he offered no excuse for his participation, he still offered an excuse, saying okay. that he was fully convinced that the idea wouldn't have occurred to him had it not been for Nathan Leopold. Yeah, but you could have just said no. And- yeah, I mean, you could have done anything. <laughs> yeah, you literally could have just said, like, why don't we just, like, not do that? Do you have an idea? Yeah. We always have, We all three of us have ideas all the time, and then one of us would be like, nah, nah that's not, not a good that idea. Like, yeah, like, yeah, let's do this. Thing. Move on. Yeah. 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 Well, this, of course, was total bullshit, because the whole thing had been Richard Loeb's idea. And it's mm. almost certain that Loeb was the one who killed Bobby Franks while Leopold drove the car. But about half an hour after Richard was done, Nathan asked to speak to Robert Crow. Can I speak? Can I, can I, can you I maybe give a little, bit of a little bit okay. of a... You know that's really stupid, right? Yes, okay. but I want to be the one being stupid. Okay, great. And Nathan, convinced he was still playing some sort of ubermensch game of mental chess, asked Crow a hypothetical. He asked, quote, All Freddy Nachos' bullshit is all rhetorical statements. Uh-huh. Right? It's all just been like, maybe... Maybe it's like this. I hate it so Maybe there's something like that. That's so creative. Yeah, wow. If if it I is, did it. If Freddie Nachos is creative. I've been reading more of it. It is interesting. But yes, okay. it's still very much like, what if something, what if they were? And I'm certain about it. But what if they Suppose that someone from a wealthy family, a, re- a family as rich as his own, had committed this murder. So like you. No. no. Suppose that Suppose. someone from a family. So it's like a fantasy that I'm going to have, but it seems really similar to you. You could say many things are similar to me. Yes. Great. What chance would that person have of beating the murder charge? <laughs> like, would they, if he was super rich and if powerful. It was you, if it would, would it be like you, are you? Let's say it's, say it's a rat-faced, slick-back. Oh, but <laughs> yeah. he'll suck your dick like he's sucking the chrome off a fucking a new car. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Man. <laughs> not, so, yeah, maybe. None. No, the answer is none. You have no chance. Mm, I was hoping for the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> And to that, Robert Crow delivered the line of a lifetime. He told Nathan, you're about to find out. Whoa! Because you're getting charged with the murder of Bobby Frank. Crow! Yes. No! Go! The crow has come for me! Yes. <laughs> then when Nathan smiled and said there was no hard evidence against him, mm-hmm. Crow laid out the type of spiel that I'm sure every detective in existence dreams of making. He asked Nathan, you remember waiting around to find a boy to kidnap? 
You remember the hot dogs and root beer you had after you killed Bobby. Tell me, Nathan, was it hard to shove Bobby in the pipe? You still think you can beat this murder charge? Ooh, that's awesome. And then he ate a bunch of sesame seeds because he's a bird. Bernie Nachos, <laughs> come and save me with the rhetorical, philosophical droning on about things that we can do nothing about and it changes nothing about our day-to-day existence. It's a great day to be a crow. <laughs> And after that, Nathan stopped smiling and stoically said, quote, Dick is talking. I will tell you the truth about the matter. <laughs> and of course, Nathan pretty much gave the same story as Richard, except in this version, Loeb was the one who murdered Bobby Frank. Whoa, oh, so, I can't whoa. believe that. It's the other <laughs> That's no crazy. Way. I guess that they're both innocent. <laughs> You both can't have done it, so must have been a snowman, some kind of magical snowman with a hat on. And that's why we didn't see him, because you took the hat off of me, melted into a bunch of water. Oh, I see. (laughs) Now, after they both confessed, before anyone had even called a lawyer, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) Robert Crowe took them out and had them physically walk him through the day of the murder to make absolutely sure that the confession would hold up in court. So first thing I did is I woke up like this. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then I went to get my breakfast, and here's the sound. And I pulled the milk on the cereal. Can I do the pratfalls again? Not yet, but maybe by the drain where you left that boy. You made it sad. I was, it was having sad. fun. It is sad. First, they went to the rental car company, where the manager recognized Nathan immediately, although the manager knew him as Mort Ballard. Oh, you're that little gay fuck, Mort Ballard. I can just see all of this in black and white with the term reenactment in the lower right-hand corner. They're just like looking at it and be like, oh, I see. We're really setting ourselves up here. (laughs) Then they were taken to the hardware store, where it was confirmed that Leopold had bought a rope and chisel. Hmm. Finally, they went to the drugstore, where the clerk confirmed that Leopold had not only bought hydrochloric acid and ether on the day of the murder, but he'd bought the largest amount of either that the clerk had ever sold. (laughs) Just not only will I take that barrel, I'll take everything you got. Woo! Great day to be a hardware store employee. You want a lot of acid. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Now, after both boys confessed, Crow announced to reporters that Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb had kidnapped and killed Bobby Frank's, quote, out of a spirit of adventure, mm. which is a well, mild way of putting it. Yeah, man. Yeah, isn't that yeah. the name from that's the why movie? I go get, yeah, yeah, it's, it's literally from <laughs> the, the spirit movie. of adventure. Yeah, that's me like going to get ice cream on a Wednesday. Spirit <laughs> of like, adventure. Oh, I'm just having a fun day, you know. Wow. And then to make triple sure that the confession would stick, Crow made sure that the press had direct access to Leopold and Loeb, and Leopold and Loeb talked to the press incessantly using the opportunity to both toot their own superiority horns and to pin the murder on each other in public. For Nathan Leopold's part, any mention of Richard Loeb would throw him into a tantrum. (laughs) Partly because Leopold saw Loeb's attempt to blame the murder completely on him as a betrayal of the king slave fantasy he so cherished. You're the daddy. I'm the baby. You're supposed to do the daddy things and I'm supposed to be doing the baby things. But you blame me for the murder too, though, so... It's because daddy's supposed to be the big bad. I'm supposed to be the fun little small bad who fucks the big bad. Okay. But at the same time, Nathan also used this public forum as a way to establish his own intellectual superiority over the plebeians mm. who went about their daily lives as a lesser class than himself. Oh, oh. You don't understand, Dogmeat. You didn't even try to read Thus Spake Zarathustra. You can't possibly understand the inner workings of humankind, that yeah. indecipherable book. 
You need a dictionary <laughs> to read, but you can't understand. You don't understand anything because he read a book. Sounds like every single meeting of any third party in America. <laughs> Nathan said that while he didn't commit the murder himself, his participation was that of an intellectual performing an experiment. Mm. Oh, you were just there. You were just there to like document. And... He wanted to experience the sensation of a murder and was justified in his curiosity, just as a six-year-old boy is justified in pulling the wings off a fly mm. if by doing so, he learns that without wings, the fly is helpless. So is it You didn't think that you didn't fucking know that before? Isn't it good that I killed that boy then? Oh my god. <laughs> Isn't I'm it just... a good thing? Because then oh when it comes god. down to it, you need me to do this esoteric research for you as a as a society. That is why I am the overman. Yeah. Because I understand so that this is not about good nor evil. It, it transcends good and evil. It is my want to see the edges of humanity's experience. I mean, you could have killed like an adult that, you know, had power or something like that. That would have been hard. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been hard and messy and, and ooh, and, and hard. Right. God, I could only imagine how hard his former classmates rolled their fucking eyes when they read anything Nathan said in the newspapers. Like, Just shut your fucking mouth, you fuck. Fuck you. Yeah. Get, your, get your fucking head out of Freddy Nachos' ass. But you know he what? He was a sickly little boy. Boy who never left his home. All he did was hike. He didn't know anything. <laughs> but to be honest, this is a fun day. This is a fun Monday when you come back. Yes. Like, you guys hear the news? And then you have a lot of conversations with your friends. Oh, of like, course. We all knew oh, they yeah. were going to do it. These oh, yeah. assholes, of course. True, why true no. crime now? Why no, true why, crime now? Why true crime now? Now, it seemed at this point that a plea of temporary insanity was unlikely because Richard and Nathan had planned the kidnapping of a boy and the disposal of the body for seven months. Jeez. And they'd even established false identities to evade capture. In Illinois, they go with the McNaughton rule, McNaughton rule of uh, insanity. The insanity plea is that you don't know the difference oh. between white and wrong. Yeah, you have to be like a jabbering person who is not aware of their current circumstances to be considered yeah. insane. Quote, yeah, you've got to be like a living knife, you yeah. know, where you just believe I am knife. And to make absolutely sure, three psychiatrists were brought in to evaluate Leopold and Loeb, and neither of them were found to be suffering from the slightest sign of mental illness that might affect their sense of right and wrong. Well, one of them definitely has been diagnosed with terminal bitch face, and the <laughs> other one is definitely got a horrible case of being a fucking total asshole. <laughs> That's your official diagnosis? Yes. Okay. Yes. But it was around this point, and maybe about three days before, that Richard Loeb's father, after the confession, figured that it might be a good time to call a lawyer. Yeah, we need a, a little lawyer. bit late. That's just a little late. But yeah, okay. we need a lawyer. Yeah, and basically Loeb just called up this lawyer and said, just don't let the boys hang. And because the Loeb family were so fantastically rich, they were able to hire the most famous criminal lawyer in the country. Almost in the world. Yes. Wow. So while this lawyer is now known most famously for his part in the so-called Scopes Monkey Trial, back then, Clarence Darrow was known as the attorney for the damned. Oh. And that is where we'll pick back up for the conclusion of our story of Leopold and Lowe. It is fascinating. I have to say, it's never good when you have to call the attorney for the damned. Like, I don't want to be his client. Oh, well, yeah. the reason why they called him attorney of the damned, or attorney for the damned, is that he was famous for taking on cases in which the people were undoubtedly guilty. Where He's like no, very good. 
Very well, because well, because he was we'll get into him much more in the next episode, but he was a big proponent of the concept of mercy. And his entire agenda was overturning the death penalty. He thought the yes. death penalty was unconstitutional, hate that the it was sin, evil. Hate yeah, the sin, hate, love the sinner. Yeah. That's his yeah, kind we'll, of the core of his thing. He's a fascinating right. and actually very good person. But yeah, we're getting to Clarence Darrow next week. Yes. And awesome. we yes, and we have a lot more to roll out. This is a really thick ass fucking story. Because the next yeah. one has even more rollout. I will say I'll walk back a little bit of my Freddie Nachos to hate. I do Nietzsche. hate yeah, yeah, I do believe Nietzsche. that he some of his stuff that he wrote is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh and it is, but like the eternal recurrence I've been reading a lot about because you're not know, supposed to be the worst idea impossible that we don't die, that we that when you die, you just live this life again and again. And again but again Sweet. it just shows that um whatever nathan leopold did was a very surface reading of his shit and then just a teenager's understanding of what it's supposed you to be you can learn a lot from dr seuss absolutely he hated yeah. children famously hated children is that right yeah cheated on his <laughs> cancer-stricken wife is that true yes no, she committed yeah. suicide. Oh, that's very true she, yeah. she found out she committed she committed to his wife <laughs> really? committed suicide because she found out he was fucking somebody else when she was bedridden <laughs> with cancer yeah. no kidding real john edwards I, uh, All right. wait, this saturday we're finally here rhyming auditorium we're coming to nashville come on check it out we got a Can't couple wait. of diggers. why don't you come and check out that lpn country jamboree we're all gonna be on town we're gonna be out there we're gonna be sucking we're gonna be fucking we're gonna well, be, we won't be doing that we'll be we're making gonna be doing a show laugh. we're gonna we'll do show. make you laugh yeah. a little bit um and go to momenthouse.com slash lpotl to buy a live stream ticket to watch it from the nudity of your own home that's right we can't wait to see you all in nashville at the grand old opry at the ryman now called the ryman now called um, the ryman and next week we got tarana and vancouver yes i can't wait uh, to go to our neighbors to the north yeah. and i learned it say it was actually it was never called the Grand Ole Opry. The Grand Ole Opry was merely the radio show that appeared at, on the Ryman stage fuck, every Marcus. Saturday night. Hey, Marcus, you know what's so funny is I don't give a fuck about what you just said. Wow. I learned so incredible? much about the Grand Ole Opry. I mean, that's the thing that we're doing I here this Saturday. We're doing a country. I don't give a fuck about what you're saying right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, amazing the, how I was just able to do that. I would say, wow, the No Dogs in Space listeners probably gave a little bit of a fuck about what I was saying. But, you know, <laughs> let's just, uh, you let's just agree, disagree on that one I'm here. Not, His job Sorry. is to correct you. Yeah, exactly. If I were to say something about the Packers, I would imagine that you would probably come in and say, say like, oh, no, say Bill Bell uh, no, no, Bill Belichick actually was the one who Bill got the Belichick. touchdown in Super Bowl what 94. Yeah, yeah, I know something about the Packers. When um when Terry Iommi, he yeah. went to do the first no, ninth field goal ever in a third quarter crunch position. He's he found position, out his wife like, was pregnant and he yeah. had to go back to the local hospital and deliver it himself. Yeah, because I remember when Emmett Smith was uh, the quarterback mm, for the Packers Troy, when they played. Troy yeah, Norman. No, no, no. It's not that the was Grand Ole Opry was the name of the This is getting yeah. contentious. No, Ricky Henderson was definitely my favorite wide receiver the Green Bay Packers ever had. He was had. a baseball player. Yeah. Anyway, all right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gene. Magustulations, everyone. Hail me. And honestly, you know, do your reading but don't let it consume you. You must be able to accept certain Absolutely. controversial ideas, see them, engage with them, and let them pass before yes. they turn you into a little tiny fascist. And take the little snippets of positivity and then put it together and you can have a personality. Hmm. That's weird. That's, but how, yeah. that's how you do it. You oh, cobble weird. together a personality. Actually, it is interesting. Yeah, yeah, all of us are just mirrors of our reality. Well, yeah. well that's weird. true. Sure. You're scaring me. <laughs> <laughs> This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. 
For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in, like you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit nofeardentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life.